All right. Welcome to Polly with us. Now, this wasn't even the schedule, but me and the homie Heen, we was having an interesting off-air conversation. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about a year ago and how things were with COVID. And y'all picking up in the middle of this conversation. So I guess we just give a little background. We were just because my man, he's about to go out of town. He yeah. got a fresh cut or whatever. You know, um, <laughs> he haven't really been getting cut since, you know, COVID popped off. We were just recapping. Mm-hmm. And we was like, yo, it's crazy how something like a grocery store worker where people really consider it a meaningless job, um, minimum wage type of job. Mm-hmm. People look down on it. But when COVID mm-hmm. hit, you realize, damn, that supply chain is real. Mm-hmm. You need people out there to stock the shelves, do mm-hmm. deliveries. Um, and, you know, nobody knew what was going on. It was really a dangerous job. Mm-hmm. And you have people in the poorer in the society that was really out there putting in the work. And they really didn't get the rewards that they deserved. Right. Right. So, yeah, man. Like, um, you, you talk about the supply chain. So, like... That goes back to even like the people that are packaging our foods um, in the uh, in the uh, uh, warehouses and stuff. They're packaging the food to, to be shipped out on the trucks and going to the stores and stuff. Uh, a lot of companies, uh, as we were discussing before, we went live here. Um, a lot of companies, they did that Heroes Pay stuff. Like I think Kroger did that. Um, or they did like, you know, just like, you know, we appreciate you pay and stuff like that. But they didn't call it hazard pay. Because hazard pay uh, suggests, you know, more compensation for um, the work that they that they that they they sign up for. That's in their contracts, I believe. When they sign the contracts, they they that's included in there and so forth. And so, um, a lot of companies were were very smart in not calling it that. And and because of that, a lot of workers that we're talking about now that were in the warehouses, um, the food packing packaging places, the uh, the our truck drivers, um, uh, people that are stocking shelves at the stores, people that are uh, at the stores, um, working, uh, grocery stores and so forth, they weren't getting hazard pay. Uh, um, and they were getting that extra couple of dollars per hour up until like then, pretty much until like the end of the summer last year, like a lot of, a lot of those, uh, uh, supermarkets and grocery stores, they stopped giving like the extra pay bonus for working during, during a pandemic. And, um, there's been no support for them at all. Like no politician talks about it because, the way our political system is set up, the only thing that matters is the ever smaller middle class. <laughs> and even that's not mattering that much anymore. But um, like I always, we always talk about it here, like there's a, there's a lot of people that are like working for or working very, very low or middle class that are doing these jobs that are, that are vital. Like, you know, if we didn't have grocery stores last year, you know, there would have been, a, there would have been riots in the streets if we didn't have food last year. Let's just keep it real. Like people would have like lost their mind and rioted because there's no food. Now actually right. maybe a real insurrection, not the, not the bullshit, not the crap they did on uh, January 6th, but like a real like raw sticking arms together to get some food because this is nuts. Um, and those people, you know, did a lot to keep us um, up and running and there was no support for them. Um, we were talking before about, uh, I, you know, I got a haircut today. My first time going to the barber in about a year. Um, and we were chatting, you know, barber, we were just talking about stuff and, you know, just how it was for them. And they just, he, he, in this shop, he said it was totally cool and no one got sick and so forth. But um, a lot of those, like, you were talking about your barber, your barber, he didn't get the PPP loans. Right. And a lot of, like, small businesses that really needed the PPP loans that were 
actually up and running that uh, the um, they were like interfacing with customers and so forth, even during the pandemic, then get these loans or or they couldn't because of um, COVID restrictions, couldn't get these loans while Ruth Chris and the Lakers and um, other big entities got these PPP loans. So uh, it, it was just a really, really um, confusing time last year. We're over a year into this now. Um, and it's, it's still like, those people haven't been appreciated at all. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, that's, that's like not even in, in discussion at all anywhere in our media and no politicians talking about it. Uh, it's just completely forgotten, but those were like the real labor heroes, quote unquote, and they were doing it on some, like, they were using that language in a, in a real, like, uh, BS way to a not pay them the money that they were owed, but b also uh, make it so that they're sacrificing themselves and that their lives are are expendable, like you know, soldier in a war, which is really messed up because that's not what they signed up for um, at all. None of them people signed up to say like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to catch COVID and die, but I'm uh, at least I'm stocking the shelf for for <laughs> great food at, at Health Foods, or whatever. Um, they they weren't doing that at all. That wasn't the point. They were trying to feed their families, and there's been no talk about how to really uh, accurately compensate them. They didn't get more of a stimulus or anything. It's just completely out of sight, out of mind. Right. Um, and you're exactly right. And a lot of those workers considered themselves lucky to even have a job because mm-hmm. a lot of people got laid off. Mm-hmm. And it, it get me thinking because we hear the critiques of capitalism all the time. And I think sometimes a little bit too simplistic um, either you're a capitalist or you're a socialist. I don't consider myself either. Same here. Like in some aspects, I agree with competition and being able to start a business, mm-hmm. being able to compete. Um, but I do believe in regulation. And I think some industries co- should be completely socialized. Yep. And, and maybe you can have like a, a subsidy or something for some small um, private businesses, but for the most part, like something like healthcare, mm. I don't believe it should be a competition or healthcare. I agree. Or I don't believe we should be making money off of people misery. Now, if you come up with a product that let's just say you have feet problems or something like that, that can make it easier for people to walk during the day, like the inserts and sure in the shoes. Should that be socialized? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think because that's not a life and death situation. Yes, it makes your life a little bit more comfortable. Yes, in that aspect, I believe in capitalism, but something like paying $100,000 for heart surgery or something crazy. That's insane. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That should be that should be free at the point of access. And insurance companies, if you have a pre-existing condition now, um, even though with the ACA, they can't automatically reject you anymore. What they can do, they can make your rates higher. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no cap anymore. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the critique that I think me and you had last week with the Biden administration. Um, that was one of his, that was part of his platform. You would pay no more than 8.9% of your salary in healthcare, which is still mm-hmm. a significant point in your salary. A year. I mean, that's not cheap in itself, but it's better than what we have now. We couldn't even get there. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's just 
it's so much stuff in society that we need to adjust. Um, I want to get your opinion on this. Have you been seeing the signs or the reports like McDonald's? They they trying <laughs> to get people to apply by giving them free meals. That's or iPhone new. or the iPhones actually. One of them was like iPhones, and they didn't say what model, of course, but the iPhones was like one of them too. <laughs> yeah, iPhones. That's something different. Um, but yeah, same realm. But McDonald's is offering free. They was doing that anyway. I knew people that worked at McDonald's. Yeah, and they'll get free meals during lunch. I'm like, that's not really new. They've been doing that. Yeah, man. It's a uh, yeah, or like the yeah, yeah. But they using it as a marketing campaign. Why don't you just pay people a living wage? Uh, why, why don't you just do that? It's it's so, it's it's one of the funniest things. Um, yeah, they just don't want to do the right thing. Um, like I was joking about the iPhone. That was some places they're they're offering iPhones to people to um, if they get a job as well. And it's like, first of all, we don't know what iPhone model it is. It could be like an iPhone five or or six. That's number right. one. But secondly, like, you know, why are you pacifying me with something that's not going to sustain my life? Like, if you if you pay people. Uh, uh, fifteen dollars, of course, is too. It's probably still too low nowadays. But let's just start with that number. Um, fifteen dollars. That's going to help somebody's life tangibly more than uh, exponentially more than an iPhone will. It just will, and, and, and it won't do that. If you switch cell phone companies, you could get a free iPhone anyway. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, like, you really want a free, free iPhone? Stop T-Mobile. Go to Verizon. Stop Verizon. Go to T-Mobile, or whatever you want to do. Right. You can basically, they all have these deals where you can get a free iPhone. Anyway. Right, That's, right. Like, it's, <laughs> it, it's crazy, but, you know, the calculations for them, because the accountants must feel that it's cheaper to do that than to raise the salaries. Oh, yeah. It's cheaper for them to lobby Congress, for them to actually pay people what they are worth. Um so, I mean, consider how how much how much uh, how many I, I I don't know the number off my head right now, but how many employees of, of McDonald's are there in America? Yeah, you I know? don't know off the top of my head. Right, it's it's, it's got to be over hundred thousand at the very least. That's probably going to low end. So, <laughs> if you increase um a hundred thousand, and these people that work in, in the restaurants, not in the corporate side, but in the restaurants, right? Um, if you like increase the uh, uh the wages to uh to fifteen dollars um for everybody that works in the restaurant. Yeah, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be a huge uh, bite into their into their into their uh, revenue, and they can't have that. <laughs> it's much cheaper to pay somebody six figures to to lobby on the hill or to um, you know, do X, Y, and Z or or give people iPhone iPhones and all that stuff than it is to like pay people that much money to more money. All the that all the workers that work in restaurants that much more money to 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 work there and stuff. And yeah, man, like it's funny you bring up the capitalism stuff too. Like I I'm I'm with you on that. I think. There's no cap. Like I, I, I'm very like, very. very if you listen to the show, listen to me talk. Like y'all probably say he's a very, very left-minded person. I'm like, yeah, I am. However, I do believe competition has like really helped um, society, and I, I don't want that to go away either. But I also feel like, yeah, it, it could be fair. Um, you know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned healthcare should definitely like be government ran. Mm-hmm. We were talking before about transportation. A lot of a lot of areas around the country, a lot of urban areas, are considering the models of like uh, having free transportation. Especially considering last year, where people weren't riding it, except for those essential workers that were going to work at their jobs at fast food restaurants or they're working at a uh, at grocery stores and so forth. They were the only ones that were riding it, so they were subs- they were paying for transportation last year, even though like 
you know, they, they were like the backbone of it. And so a lot of areas are considering making transport free um, across the country. And yeah, I, that made me think like, yeah, definitely like commuter transportation should be free. I would even, I mean, I, or, or the government, government ran, I'd even go further and say that um, uh, uh, the airlines should be government ran. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I actually think that like, that's probably an issue issue as well. Cause like the, the, the air situation is kind of like out of control. I think cars probably is like one thing that can be privatized and you can buy your own car, do your own thing. But other stuff like, like, uh, like the train, like trains and buses and, uh, um, to, like I said, airlines, I, I, I kind of feel like that should be, I don't see why that, 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 that isn't that, cause that, that gets people around. And it's like a very important, it's like a very important mode of like transportation. And also, um, uh, uh, that, that would probably, opens up so many um uh work opportunities for people if they're able to like move around freely on public transportation um you know if you're able to like take a train to go to work every day from um like i live in dc if i had if there's a job in baltimore that i don't have to drive drive for and, and worry about the cost of like either getting the train to go up there or purchasing a car to go up there that's so much money out of my pocket that I have to worry about. Like the pain, the, the, the cost is more so time commitments and all that stuff going back and forth. But the actual, here's $15 or here's a uh, um, gas money or whatever, that's out of my, my mind. I can now focus on like getting to work and, and not having to worry about how I'm paying to go back and forth every week. And it's also bringing me to a new market to work where it, where um, there's more, more opportunities there and stuff. So yeah, man, like I, I, I'm with you. Like I, I, I think that you use competition to make life easier, but um, but some of these in, in, industries, they definitely should be like a uh, uh, government ran um, and have more like control over it. And I just think transportation is another one that we should probably consider would be something that you could consider as well. I definitely think that should be considered. I think earlier I said subsidy. I said that because my cat was by my foot, so I was trying to shoo him off and <laughs> talk at the same time. I meant supplemental. Uh, I meant supplemental when it comes to um, private because even with Medicare for all, private insurance was allowed with certain aspects of it. I don't have a problem with that, Mm -hmm. Um, but it should be a baseline. And when we say certain industries, the government should um, basically have a free option. That doesn't mean it's going to be the most lavish thing. It should just be a baseline. Yeah. Even for um, healthcare, it should be baseline care. Um, if you want more extensive coverage, yeah, you could go the private route. But it should be something where the majority of the needs is covered, and including mental health, because that's something that's not talked about enough. And this ties into one of the topics that I want to discuss today. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you watch tennis or not, but it's been all over the news with yeah, um, Naomi yeah. Osaka. Yep, yep. Like I heard of her. I'm not I'm not going for I'm not a huge tennis fan. I, I watch you know when Serena's playing, I watch every once in a while. Right. I might watch a match, but I'm not an avid tennis fan. But I have heard of her because mm-hmm. she's what the number two ranked um female tennis player. In the world uh, she she's like i think top five now she's not having the best year um and it could be other reasons why was running now but she's not having the best year this year but yeah she's she's a top five player probably at her best she's probably the best player in the world but right now she's like i think four or five okay so you really into tennis then yeah man i i, I um i you know 
when the Aggies came out in the early nineties, like I, you know, I love those shoes. <laughs> and um, like Aggies, Sampras, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I was big on those people. Boris Becker uh, on the women's game, like women's game wasn't like it was Steffi Graf and Monica Sellis. Um, and then what happened to Monica Sellis and all that stuff, which is unfortunate. But Serena's like what really got me to the women's game heavy. Um, and, and Venus and like yeah, it's. Tennis is is, is a is a very very fun sport. If you played it, I played it when I was younger a little bit. I'm not the yeah. best at it, but um, it's not as easy as it looks. No, nah, it's not easy at all. It looks kind of easy, but when I played, it, I was like, oh, this is really kind of it's a it's a challenging ass sport, bro. It's a yeah. challenging pro sport, and 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 then and, but the the biggest thing about tennis, unlike team sports where you can fall on your your colleagues and your teammates and 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 ride with them, you, it's only you versus the, uh, your opponent, mm-hmm. and that's where the mental health stuff is very critical and that's why when you um when naomi osaka's saying like hey like i've been going through it the last couple of years i mean you gotta remember when she won her first major in uh i think 2017 or 18 um when she beat serena williams she got booed <laughs> and it wasn't her fault really but she got booed because um the uh uh serena was having the issue with the judge and uh they were going back and forth and um and uh you know, she's playing on Osaka. She just Osaka's just there doing her thing. She's not like really, you know, she's trying to play her game, and this is all happening around her. She wins the match, and the, the crowd boos her. And then they weren't necessarily angry at her; they were angry mm-hmm. at the judge. But still, if you're like, uh, I think she was 18 at the time, or 19, mm-hmm. to get booed like that, you know, it, 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 you know, that's 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 you know. And she she cited that as the moment like when she started having issues. And we don't think about these things with athletes. We think of them as just like uh, cartoon characters that feel no pain. Um, but a lot of them coming out now saying like, yeah, I've been having issues. Like I think DeMar DeRozan was one, Kevin Love said he had like a anxiety attack or panic mm-hmm. attack in the game. Um, yep. uh, a lot of them are coming out now saying like, yeah, man, like I, I have issues with this stuff and there needs to be more support. So yeah, it's definitely something that if you're seeing these big, strong, best athletes in the world type types, um, uh, having these issues, then yeah, this needs to be a vital thing that's as a part of the healthcare system in our country. And that would be something that would fall in line with, uh, uh, some type of government ran healthcare program. Right. Right. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about with that, like you have more in-depth knowledge of the game of tennis than I do, mm-hmm. but I think what she's going through, a lot of regular people can relate to on a smaller level. We're not getting paid the money that she getting paid, but um, I know somebody that's making six figures that's miserable at their job, mm-hmm. and they're looking for a skate route right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And six figures, you know, for a regular person society, um, it's pretty decent money. Mm-hmm. And people look at them like they crazy. But this is commonplace, and I know more than one person like this. Yeah. So... And a study just came out about what stress does, stress being stressed at work, how it affects mm-hmm. your health. I mean, it's not the first study. There's multiple studies that came out that um, stress take years off of your life. Right, the same study, yeah, yeah. Right. So a lot of people just saying, you know what, F it. Um, like this, I, I like the money I'm making, but it's not worth my sanity. And I have a personal story like this too. People were looking at me like I was crazy. A few years ago, I was working a particular job and I was in line to make pretty good money. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give too much details, but I hated the job and I was just like, you know what? It's not worth it. 
I'm going to, I'm going to take a step all the way back. I went back to school, got my master's and restarted my career because mm-hmm. of that. I'm in a pretty decent position now, but you know, when I decide to restart, anytime you restart, you know, put strain on finances. And, but for me, I was willing to deal with that stress more than keep going in that one direction. Cause the way I looked at it, I'm like, okay, I can make good money and I'll be able to do a lot of things I want to do with the money, but is the stress on the day to day worth it? Worth or- it. Cause you think about it a lot of times you at work, especially if you were a job with mandatory overtime, which a lot of jobs have, um, or if you are a salary employee and you have certain deadlines you have to meet, you're working overtime, not getting paid overtime. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you really spend most of your waking hours at work. You spend a lot of, a lot of times you spend more of your, your woke hours at work than you do at mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. So just like, okay, is this going to be my life for the rest of my life? I'm going to do this mm-hmm. um, and cause hypertension, stress. It's a decision we all have to deal with. Mm-hmm. I know with uh, Naomi Osaka situation, um, some people saying, well, she might not really have mental health problems. She might just use the excuse. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't particularly care if she's telling the truth or not in this particular circumstance because it leads to a different conversation. And even let's just say worst case scenario, that is not that's not the truth or whatever. She just was mad at the officials and the people at the first open. She don't want to do it. It's still true that a lot, not only a lot of athletes go through this, but a lot of regular people go through it. Right. And it's the conversation that needs to be had either way. So mm-hmm. I don't even I'm not even gonna speculate on that aspect of it. And I'm gonna take her as a at her word. Because when people is depressed, because I, I worked in the healthcare industry, people can be depressed and not showing you signs. People front, people put up a good front, especially if they at work and they know they have to have a certain performance. So it, yeah. it it's just interesting. Yeah, it's uh yeah, I think um yeah, man, like a lot of a lot of people are going through it. Um, and there has to be this, we have to kind of like, I think in American society, um, there's this, especially like now, um, you know, like before the pandemic, there was that whole rise and grind culture, um, where you have to get up at four o'clock in the morning and, and complete like 10 tasks before, before the sun comes up or else you can have a successful day or like, um, uh, uh, I think like I remember reading about like The Rock or Mark Wahlberg's like workout regimen and how insane it is where they have to get up. They're like, like Mark Wahlberg, I think was like up at three o'clock in the morning, working out like three hours a day or whatever, eating like just something insane, like something that doesn't even make sense and it's not normal. Or the the whole like uh, rise and grind culture where you have to like, you know, complete X amount of tasks before the sun comes up and before you come to work that day um, to have start having a successful day. And, um, that may work for some people. I don't know how many people that works for her. Honestly, like, I don't, I'm not even sure if that works for them necessarily. I think they, some people are putting on that front, like you're, you also suggested. But even if it works for them, that's not for everybody. Um, you know, we have to like start really like taking stock in our in our mental health and, and, and really valuing that. And a lot of us, we're not taught to do that in this country. We're always taught that it's um, building for moving forward, progress, 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 uh, growth, 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 and never like, 
you know, sitting down and like just making sure that you're 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 right mentally. It is, and it's weird too. There's also like a lot of lip service to that. Um, I, I had a job a couple years ago, um, where like it was always hammered home mental health, you know, value mental health, value mental health, and all this stuff. Meanwhile, people that are um, working under the uh, head of this department working like 12 hour days, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like you were saying earlier, working 12 hour days, um, uh, the pay wasn't really like that good to be doing that, but they were so focused in on their job that, and dedicated to their job because it was like a really important job that they just did it even though they knew it wasn't uh, uh, helpful for them and people were burning out and it's just lip service. Like work these, you know, think about your mental health and, and, and take moments to pause and breathe and all that stuff, but also you're expected to do this for these people and, work on call for, um, uh, for everybody and stuff. And it just, it, it's, 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 it doesn't make sense. And that's, that's the hypocrisy of like work in our country. And so with, uh, what's going on with, uh, uh, Naomi Osaka, um, you know, she comes from, you know, tennis is like a real, like, especially if you're a high level player like her, everybody's taking care of you and you have like stuff that's helping you out and all that stuff. But shit, like, like I said earlier, you know, this is her first moment on the national stage. She got booed at, after winning her first major. Like, I, I never will forget that. Like, I remember watching that match and thinking, like, damn, this is this is, this is, this is kind of crazy. Like, I'm kind of disappointed in uh, the U.S. I'm very disappointed in the U.S. Open crowd for booing her like this, even though I knew it wasn't necessarily her. You still got to, like, take in the moment of what's going on here and how that impacts her. And it doesn't surprise me that, like, she she's going through stuff. Even when I've seen her do interviews, she is very, like, soft-spoken. She's not, she's not one of these, like, rah-rah getting your face types like serena williams for instance she's like very like you know i'm in your face and i'm serena williams like i'm, I'm this and you look at her it was never like that with Naomi Osaka. and um yeah man like i i um you know i don't know if people are saying that it's potentially like uh she's struggling on, on clay this year and she doesn't want to ask questions about that but i don't know man i, I maybe she shouldn't have to <laughs> you know maybe right. Maybe she should value her mental health more um, than having to worry about like questions that aren't really like uh, impactful or meaningful. So um, I support the sister. Um, I think she's one of the she is one of the best players. She probably she definitely is like the heir to Serena, Serena Williams in tennis. Um, and I just want her to be right, man. Because I, I want to see her see her fulfill her potential as a as a as a as an, not just an athlete but as a person. Like last year, she won the U.S. Open again and. She's wearing like the the uh, the um, uh, the face mask, the mask over her face for all the people that were um, killed by police. Like, right, you know, and it's sport like tennis, and you know how tennis is, and the type of people that play tennis, um, the country clubs, and all that stuff. Like her doing something like that is like so bold and, and powerful um, that. You know, that's that's somebody that I look at and I always always root for. So I just want the best for her. Um, and if anybody else is going through it as well, like please, like don't don't like feel you need to like continue pushing on and and, and front like everything's fine when it's not. Like it's, it's going to eventually like crack, and we don't we don't want you know we don't want the pressure pressure of you like kind of collapsing when you you falling apart. It's very important you take care of yourself. Like seriously, not like in the lip service. I mean seriously, take care of yourself. <laughs> right. And we have such a long way to go when it comes to mental health. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with physical chronic conditions, you have cardiologists. Mm -hmm. Too often with mental health, we just lump it as mental health. Well, depression is very different from bipolar disorder. Right. 
And this has been a big problem because, like I said, I used to do um, care coordination in the healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. Um, a big problem was that I, I was talking to a doctor. People will get assigned medication for depression and they had bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's two different conditions. Is mental health, but two different conditions. That's been a big problem. People being misclassified, um, getting wrong medications, and a lot of times that can make things worse. Mm-hmm. Um, we need like specific specialists. Just from my experience of dealing with people that was dealing with a vast range of mental health, from depression, anxiety, to schizophrenia, to bipolar disorder. These are all different conditions, you know, and just to lump it all as mental health, that's just like that's just like labeling all physical conditions as one just one condition. It's very different and they need specialists. We need more individualized specialists. I know we have some, but it's not really talked about that way. And a lot more work needs to be done with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like you have um, a cardiologist office, we need just a schizophrenia office yeah. or just a bipolar office because, I mean, again, the how people react to these different conditions is is vastly different. You yeah. know, so it's it's just not talked about enough. Um, it's not. It isn't we really not serious about it? Some insurances still don't even cover mental health. Yeah, that's a, a trippy thing too. When you realize that, like a lot of insurances don't cover that stuff at all. Don't cover therapy. Um, yeah, I think um, you know that's because we don't understand the brain that well um, at all. Like we don't really understand most of the functions of it. It at least people not taking it seriously. Whereas like the heart, you mentioned cardiologists. Uh, uh, it's like. In my head right now, I can think of like ten different heart diseases that people can have, um, and 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 uh, or cardiovascular diseases, and um, we, you, there probably is much more for for uh, uh, what's going on with our brains as well, or psychology uh, diseases that we're just not we're not aware of, we're not thinking about because there isn't really an emphasis on it. Uh, if there's any emphasis on psychology and stuff, it's more for like. Uh, uh, criminalizing people or, or militarizing people and stuff, not on like actually taking care of people. Um, so uh, yeah, man, like I, yeah, there there needs to be so much more work done in, on, in this field, you know, and to bring it into politics a little bit, like we said, I mean, I know they weren't the best place. We still have like state-sponsored mental health facilities around the country um, mm. that were all removed during the early 80s under under Ronald Reagan. Like they were all, they, we removed like funding for all these different facilities where they were shut, shut down. Um, so that's something that kind of considers well. I'm not saying those are the best places because, um, you know, some of them weren't kept up upright, but at least there was some state state funding for it, state taking care of it in 40 people. And now there isn't really anything. It's like the private facilities, which probably are worse because because <laughs> it's, it's it's made for a profit wheel instead of for an actual care wheel. Um, and so uh, yeah, man, like, excuse me, there's like so much. Um, uh, work that needs to be done on that. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, wh- whatever healthcare thing 
comes to pass in the future. Um, and I do believe we'll have universal health care. I'm not sure when, but I think we'll, we're it's so much like momentum for it that it's going to happen eventually. There has to be like a heat component, and we have to put more money into like creating people that are doctors for the mind, um, and 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 really studying that because they're just. I think the the thing you're, you pointed out is that there just isn't that much money put into the field of study study these things outside of like criminalizing and, and and stuff. It's not like money to actually study people's brains and figure out um, what is a healthy, how to make a healthy help person be healthy and so forth. Like even these pills that people talk about, let me talk about before medicine. Um, a lot of them work. I'm not saying they don't, but some of them, like people, like I don't feel right about, and that that means that there needs to be look more work into why that person doesn't feel right. Let's like start studying that more and and figuring out what makes what can make this person feel right. What's the right combination? Um, you know, that's not a me. And I mean, be careful. I'm not saying I'm anti medication for mental illness. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is we need to actually have real studies to make sure these things are are right for people because we for the pills are for the right persons and, and make sure that we're figuring out what the right combinations are. Um, uh, because I, I feel like, like you mentioned earlier, there's like a one size fits all thing. And that's just not the answer. Right. And this, this is the thing too. Um, a lot of people that suffering from mental health don't want to admit, don't mm-hmm. want to admit it because you can't get certain positions if yep. you, if they find out. Um, like, for example, if you in the military, it, a lot of people in the military suffering from mental health that's at duty that's scared to get help because of security clearances. Yep. Um, and that impacts promotions, therefore impact your career, which impact money. Mm-hmm. So that's another, that's something else that has to be looked into. And also, um, go politics at the root of all of all of it. Politics is at the root of everything because it's that policy. We go back and we was talking about workers earlier. Um, under Obama administration, they did make some rules for overtime um, that was more friendly towards workers. Yeah. Trump got in office. What he do? Reverse that right away. Right. That that went out the window. Mm-hmm. It's just little stuff like that. Um, and that's a lot of times my criticism of mainstream media. They don't really focus and cover that aspect of policy is always the hot button issues they don't discuss which really important on top of that the war on drugs right we can talk about the the big pharma giving all this money to politicians um you know really doing misleading advertisements um they knew how addictive uh, some of these opioids were they completely ignored it. In the meantime, you still have marijuana listed as Schedule 1, which had Mm -hmm. medical benefits. It's getting better now. I think the majority of states at least have medical marijuana legal, but Mm -hmm. not in all states. Mm -hmm. Still legal in some states. Um, And we starting to, I guess, learn some of the benefits of um, psychedelic mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Can I say that? Yeah. Which is positive. I know they're doing a lot of Colorado seem to be on the forefront or this yeah. particular issue. Um, the Colorado Washington was the first state to legalize marijuana statewide. Mm-hmm. And right around, I don't want to say the whole state of Colorado because that's a little bit too broad, but especially the Denver area is uh, experiment, experimenting with um, mushrooms. Yep. 
And let, let me be more clear because experimenting with mushrooms sounds crazy, right? <laughs> I know what you <laughs> meant, but yeah, I definitely know what you meant. That that sounds crazy. But you know, what I mean is they they've been using it with um patients that's in hospice, right? And it seemed to be easing their pain and they're starting to get more into depression with it, and it seems to help. We don't have, you know, full data on it yet, but the initial signs been very positive mm-hmm. and i'm hoping that oh, man, it get, i'm about to get mad again because it, it gets me right back to we picked biden not me and you but this country picked biden yeah and he's got such an old school mentality we really need somebody that removes some of these um drugs off of schedule one and actually fund studies because you know, we can't even really get federal studies with marijuana yeah. because it listed as a Schedule One. Yep. Um, it's so we don't even know the full benefits of what it can do, or if it's harmful in other ways. We can't really get full data because of this backwards war on drugs mentality with reefer madness and stuff, yeah. where it really was to demonize certain groups of the country. Yep. And facilitate the war on drugs. He really like if you read it, Nixon really want it really started with Nixon. He really wanted to get black people and hippies. Yep. <laughs> he really wanted to lock up black people and, and hip, hippies. Yep. So that's what it was. You know, yeah. it, it is crazy. It's it, it just crazy. We miss it now on so much medical research. Um, people living a more painful life is maybe in some cases it cost some people lives because mm-hmm. of this mentality mm-hmm. yeah man um yeah that you mentioned psychedelics earlier um you know we were using psychedelics as a as a chinese as a weapon for soldiers or whatever instead mm-hmm. of like and, and discovering stuff with it and then we just stopped using it for that because we, we realized it wasn't good for for the battlefield um yeah, I mean, that's what they was trying to do, the crazy stuff like MK Ultra. Well, yeah, that's, like that, yeah. With the LSD and stuff. Yeah, that's which, extra stuff. Oh, man, that's that's a whole different thing. My God. If you get a chance Some to... This, um, this country did. If you, want, if you get a chance to, it was, it was a LSD to this podcast called Behind the Bastards, and they did uh-huh. a series on the Foster Brothers, um, Alan Foster, and um, and I forgot this, his brother's name. And basically, they were like the... Uh, Alan was the one that had the CIA and did the MK Ultra stuff, um, mm-hmm. and his brother was the State Department uh, head, um, and yeah, the Dulles brother. I'm sorry, Foster Foster Dulles and Alan Dulles. That's what, I'm sorry, that's what their names were. Um, yeah, if you read up about them and all the crazy stuff they were into, they were the ones that uh, started the, the did the MK Ultra stuff with the CIA. But it, they, were, they they pretty much like in a in the nicest way possible. The reason why the world's messed up is because of them. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with like the um, the European borders and the uh, and like uh, the Middle Eastern borders after World War One, they like they were the reasons why we had some of that stuff that that's that's still to this day affecting so many things. But um, but yeah, man, like I I you know I I definitely like I don't I know I'm I I definitely believe that like this this benefits to some of these drugs that we just decide to shut our, our brains off for and not try to do stuff with and we need to like really just just do our due diligence and learn like everything that they can and can't do and right. how they can help society and 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 try to bring more of that to the fore um yeah. it doesn't make sense to, to 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 uh especially when you have like 
real harmful drugs that are that are illegal, like alcohol. Like alcohol is very, very harmful, <laughs> you know, or uh, uh, tobacco is very, very harmful. And that's just like you can buy that at a CVS um, for, right. you know, whatever. So just we got to consider that stuff and and um, right. and, and try. And, and there's no like <laughs> there's not much medicinal benefits with some of those those uh, those stuff. But yet, you know, we, we've, we've seen stuff of like marijuana and we've seen like people will tell you there are a lot of positive things with psychedelics and we just say forget it. No, we can't we can't have it as hippies and black people and, and jazz singers and, and stuff instead of like, uh, um, you know, real positive benefits of these things. Right. And the funny thing is, I'm advocating for it. I have no desire to take. Come on now. <laughs> I, I have no desire to do so. <laughs> you, you know why? Because um, uh, we keep it real here. I, t- I had an edible before and that didn't go well. That didn't go well. So I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of <laughs> hesitant with that. You, you know, but even if it's not for me, it shouldn't be illegal. Right. And, and exactly. that's the thing, exactly. man. Like you can have your post- personal opinion on anything. I don't really care that mm-hmm. your personal beliefs shouldn't dictate policy. That's the thing. You know, like I have a lot of stuff that I think is stupid. I have a lot of personal beliefs um, that I have for my own personal life that shouldn't dictate right. your life. Right. You know, uh, that that's what it comes down to. For, Listen, Fogot, you I, I'm gonna tell you this, what you're saying right now. <laughs> everything you're saying right now, if you if this was the mentality of, of Americans, then we'd be in a much better place, right? <laughs> <the country>. Right. <laughs> right. So but it's, it's it's too bad, man. It's it really too bad. And oh God. <laughs> I feel like the older generation too was hit so hard. And here's here's a problem because they still outvote younger people by yeah, a wide <laughs> margin. Yeah. So this is why people that's be fifty and under, because the the young young people like you know below thirty is a lot more progressive. But even people forty like forty nine and younger, um, you look at the numbers much more progressive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't vote like the older generation do unfortunately oh yeah i mean as you've been seeing with the last few weeks in in american politics you can kind of understand why in some instances but we we also have to like battle that and say like no this is important because if you want to get rid of people that are doing the terrible things you gotta you gotta vote and you gotta be a part of the process and and not just like we i mentioned before not just voting but really being active um really paying attention really like studying your candidates really you know, going to town hall meetings, really like being there uh, and and being active. And I know it's a lot, it's a lot of commitment, but at the end of the day, it's like this is this everything that these people are doing is impacting your life. Um, uh, you know, just because like someone kissed your baby and is throwing out beads at a parade doesn't mean they have your best interest at in heart. So you got to mm-hmm. like really learn these people and who and be who who they are and and learn about them and understand this person is the right person for you to support um whether that's president or if that's your uh you know your local anc or alderman or, or ward or council or whatever you gotta like really study people and know who they are and know um what they believe in and, and see if there's like if y'all believe in the same thing because you know the the we too much in this country rely on the code of personality 
um, of all of our candidates, and that's every level. Um, I do like this person. Is this person good? I mean, is this person cool? Well, can I have a beer with this person? Can I like smoke weed with this person? The answer mm-hmm. says no. You shouldn't care about any of that stuff. You need to be caring about is this person going to do the damn job and support you and help you as a as a as a person uh, that's living in this country. That's what you need to be worried about. I don't care if I can't uh, have a have, you know some Hennessy with like a, um, you know my city councilman. I, I care if they're going to be effective at the job and they're going to do things that this community needs. That's what's important. Um, you know. Yeah, you said it right there, but I don't, I don't think people look at how politics control your entire life, whether you be able to get to work at a timely fashion, mm-hmm. all that's policy, all that's politics. But for some reason, people um, don't view it like that. And a lot of it has to do with the education system. Mm-hmm. So speaking <laughs> of education system, um, you know, I want to get into critical race theory real quick because oh, that no. leads into voting oh, no. vote, voting rights, right? <laughs> so you you want to add anything to this mental health discussion before we No, move I think on, we or... covered it a lot, man. We talked a lot so, about it. It's so, very critical. So I'm not going to get too deep into that, but <laughs> my man Lamont Hill, he you know, they have the black news channel now. Okay. Um He's on that, and he's been doing some interviews about critical race theories. People that are critical of it, because you know they a lot, of, a lot of states and conservatives have mm-hmm. a big push to make sure this is not taught in high schools or schools. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is funny because their criticism is that critical race theory states that. <laughs> that this country is inherently racist and they don't think it's true while simultaneously pushing for laws to stop people that look like me and you from being able to vote. Right. So I just find that ironic right there. Um, That's (laughs) like, okay. So on their end, they want to just teach America is perfect. And even when we made mistakes, we corrected it quickly always had good intention and mm-hmm. they want to keep that myth going and i think that myth is no longer shared by a, a wide margin of people more than there ever so I, I think that's that's funny and it's also funny these very same people is still advocating to for you got people calling for cues, right? Try, like you got people saying that Trump going to be back in office by August, right? All sorts of stuff. The the hypocrisy is is amazing with me. I know I just threw a lot out there, but um, the first what I want you to respond to how how do they justify in their mind um, trying to criticize critical race theory? Um, and this country is not racist, or I simultaneously try to take voting rights away from um, mainly people that look like us. Oh, they don't justify it. They just they're racist. That's just the system. <laughs> you can't justify racism, and and um, they don't even they don't they know they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like they know what they're doing. But what I and and the other thing when I say that they know what they're doing because they know it's racist to strip voting rights. To to continue pumping money to the police instead of finding alternative ways to make sure people are, um, you know, apprehended or or making sure that people aren't in a position to become arrested by the police. Um, you know, they're 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 not interested in that stuff at all. Um, what they're interested in is like making sure 
black and brown people are, are incarcerated. That's like the gist of it or, or killed or, or, or catch like some sickness from the healthcare system and aren't be able to get treated for it and so forth. So um, just kind of like, you can't justify racism. The other thing that's interesting about this, this whole debate though, and what's funny about it, and it, it might be effective because America is a racist country, um, is that they're going to make this a, a issue next year in elections. That's it's you're gonna you're gonna see this in so many like states. Um, they want to teach our your kids the alternative history of this country, and we can't have that. You know that's gonna be a, a huge campaign issue next year. Like you can already kind of see it, like kind of like um um, um uh, tracking to that. Cause they don't have anything else to run on, um, except for right. running on daddy racism. And so um. Uh, there's no just they, they can't justify it. They know they can't justify it. But what they're going to do is use that as a as a as a pitch to um to 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 win over uh you know soccer moms and soccer dads that are concerned about the way society's moving and and, and but also aren't like that interested in in reading too deeply on what's actually going on and stuff. So um yeah, I it's 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 troubling, especially considering that. Critical race theory isn't necessarily like what's being taught in schools. Like that's not what anybody's actually asking for. Like critical race theory is something that you learn like in college and in, in the high level courses. It's not like a. It's not a. I mean, you can maybe like have your curriculum, you know, have like uh, touches of it. And 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 really, it's to me the way I, I've been reading is more so like learning about history from you know the more truthful perspective instead of what the perspective is of what we've been taught, which is like the programs are the heroes and. The, the Westerners are the heroes and 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 that took over the rest and tamed those savages that were that right, were dating right. all this stuff. Like we there's a there's a all they're saying is let's teach things things differently. Let's like start like really incorporating some of like um of of how this this, this history of this nation is like really impacting people that aren't that aren't white. It's it's critical race theory, but it's not like the actual deep, deep theory of it that you'll learn like in a in college. It's just like this, this the reaction to that sixteen nineteen project where you know you learn learn about like the impact of like first of all you learn like you know the treatment of slaves when they when they came here and and all that stuff uh, in sixteen nineteen and and just like the ramifications of that I know um the one of the authors of it she isn't able to get tenure at the University of North Carolina now because of her being an author on right. this, um, on this uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm forgetting the sister's name right now, but she was a professor at the University of North Carolina. Um, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and she's not able to get tenure now because of um, her being a part of this project because the Republican legislator down there is like, no, we can't, we can't have her being a, a tenure professor and stuff. This is, this is like, this is a serious like fight, and it's something that I think. But the thing that's that's making me optimistic about it is that. Um, I think a lot of a lot more young people are like younger people, and you mentioned people that are forty nine and younger. A lot more people that are of younger are kind of like calling bullshit on a lot of this stuff and, mm-hmm. and saying like, "All right, this like yeah, the, like you can't you can't sit here and tell me that um, we shouldn't learn about the history of race in this country, but then also like say I, I'm deeply troubled by what happened to George Floyd last year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or right. or police violence around around the country against black people. This this is incongruent. It doesn't make sense. And I right. think a lot of people are, are realizing that now. And the funny thing is, is the 1619 project perfect? No, I do think there's a few inaccuracies, mm-hmm. but compared to the history books that our children read, oh, it's much more accurate than that. And let me let me talk to you there too. Let me just say one thing real quick. 
Yeah, it may not be accurate, but here's the thing: history isn't accurate. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Like, right. it, it, it's it's it, history's always up for debate. It's 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 not fixed, and we have mm-hmm. to start thinking of history as like this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened. Right. You can always find something that that dispels something. That's okay. Right. Um. So if you find sixteen ninety project dispels in that, that's okay. It's not a big deal. But like you're saying, mm-hmm. it's that versus like. Uh, uh, our heroes, uh, uh, right. that tame the West and, 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 and made the land inhab- habitable for us. Yep. And let me be clear I'm not saying it's inaccurate as a whole because I think mm-hmm. it was a great piece of work overall. Yeah. But in the body, was there a few mistakes here and there? Sure. For but sure, yeah. like if you go to, um, I believe it was a book by, I believe, I believe historian James Logan Lies, my teacher told me. Yes, I have the I have that book yeah. myself right here. Yeah. Great, great book, great yeah. book. He goes through and dissect all the inaccuracies in the main textbooks that children was reading in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, it's much more accurate than that. And a lot of mistakes were small mistakes in there, but you know, so we're not saying that it's perfect, but it was still a great piece of work and. It definitely was a lot more accurate than inaccurate. Overall, it was overall, it was a great piece of work. And 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 let's be like clear too. The the what they're challenging isn't necessarily like those inaccuracies. They're challenging the narratives, right? Because there's a narrative, like we said earlier, of America being heroic, and like you're saying, um, we always have good intentions, and we're always right, even when we're wrong, and all this stuff. That's not. They're upset about the narrative that's in the sixteen nineteen project. Another alternative, um, alternative, but more like well researched and, yeah. and and found uh, books and all that stuff and, and other articles of research. Yeah. What they can't get past is that America is supposed to stand for freedom, but how could you stand for freedom when you had a group of people that was living under authoritative rule mm-hmm. um, until at least at least the mid 60s and you right. can argue still to this day right but at least to the mid 60s if you want to be kind yeah if you want to say it, it wasn't legalized yes yeah it's just the, the mentality still there but legal like we haven't had a democracy I, I don't i can't i wish i could remember who said this it was like a um uh asian right i just can't i wish i could remember the person who said it but it always stuck with me um america wasn't a democracy until like until like this, the voter rights act in 66. it still wasn't a democracy you know what I mean? But yeah, if it wasn't, it wasn't, it couldn't really say it until that point though, yeah, because yeah, it, that was like a blow that was fast. You know what I mean? And when you, when you see that, it's like, wow, that that's kind of like trippy, but it's the truth. Like we weren't a democracy, at least until that point. It still isn't now in a lot of ways and they're trying to revert back to it, to the olden times, but it did, it took that long for this country to become, uh, uh, at least on paper, a democracy. Yeah. And if you go back, like you research stuff like Baker's Rebellion, mm-hmm. um, business like that, where even poor white people was basically smothered, but then they said, okay, look at those Negroes, you above them. Like, go back to like Baker's Rebellion. Um, go take a real look at the history of this country. And it's, it is undeniable if mm-hmm. you want to look at it objectively. And I mean, I'm sorry, I mean, cut you off. I mean, we're, yeah. we're celebrating what, 100 years now, the Tulsa massacre. Think and about they, when you were, this country you were younger. Just now in that. <laughs> right, just now in that. And think about yeah. when you were younger. I remember when I was in school and I read about about that, um, and back in grade school and stuff. It wasn't called a massacre. <laughs> it was called like a riot, like the Tulsa, Tulsa riots. race riots. Yeah. yeah, 
and it was it was it was it was in line with all the other race fires that happened during that era. Like there was hundreds of them around the country. Um, it was it was it was mentioned in, in in terms of that realm, not in terms of like a group of people being slaughtered and losing like their homes livelihoods because of, of of BS. It was it was it was deemed like another just like racial racial skirmish. That's mm. what it was. That's what it was called. And I I remember that as a kid, like when all this stuff was happening. I remember. Um, Thinking about that as a younger, as a younger person, like, damn, that's the, that's how they was talking to me. So if you're if you're contextualizing that, how can you sit here and say like, yeah, everything else is perfect though? I mean, we got that wrong, but everything else is perfect. And that was only 100 years ago, but it wasn't, you know, whatever, blah blah. blah. But like, nah, nah, nah. You gotta like, <laughs> this thing, these things are like, like we've even taught a history that that isn't accurate, that isn't anywhere near accurate. Not because of like the inaccuracies of like the reporting, but just the narratives of it. Like the narratives are all wrong. Listen, it was a fight to make Martin Luther King Day a federal holiday just in the eighties. Right. I right. mean, that was that's that's within our lifetimes, you right. know. Uh, so And it wasn't legal, it wasn't it was still um uh, not a holiday in Arizona. You know what I mean? For many right. years. So the reason why I wanted to talk about voting rights, um before we get out of here, I just want to touch on this, right? So mm -hmm. before I uh went to work the last couple of days, I was watching CNN. Good guy, CNN is awful, <laughs> but before I, I still watch it just to see what's going on in mainstream media, what the stories they covering. Mm -hmm. Um, and this goes for the New York Times too, because they've been covering in New York Times right now too. Mm -hmm. But they was talking about all these voting, um, suppression laws that these states are trying to act and pass. So the the new one is Texas, mm -hmm. but Georgia is probably the most famous case. And, you know, a whole bunch of other states. I mean, they, they introduced bills in Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera right? And what crazy is, I don't even think they will be covering if Biden didn't make that Memorial Day speech, mm -hmm. which this should be covered every day because they really try to take away um, a right for a lot of people. Now, some people will say, well, the law don't save you black, you can't vote. Of course, it's not going to say that. Um, if you go back to the history, you go back to somebody like Lee Atwater, he especially told everybody he didn't want certain groups of people voting. Mm -hmm. um, Southern strategy. They, I mean, you could go so on and on about the history of voting, voting suppression. But to present day. So so what are most of these bills talking about doing? Well, they target in, they target in Democratic areas. And what are they doing? They shutting down polling stations. When you shut down a polling station, what do that do? That means people have to go farther out. That means lines going to be longer. Along with shutting down polling stations, you would think they'll make the hours longer, right? No. no. They cut in hours on top of that. So imagine those lines. Um, you know, election day is not a federal holiday. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have to work. Um, with these long lines, you're not going to be able to go to lunch <laughs> and mm -hmm. vote during your lunch hour. Assume you even live anywhere close to your precinct because you mm -hmm. might work far further out. Mm -hmm. So tell me what that happened. What's, what's that about? Then they try to get rid of um, um, write-in votes, 
or um, voting by mail, excuse me. They're trying to get rid of mail voting. Mm-hmm. Um, they they try to cut early voting out or restrict the days of early early voting. Mm-hmm. So they doing a, a bunch of different stuff to make it harder to vote. And what I found amusing on CNN, they acting like this is a new problem. I mean, <laughs> this whole this country history is a voter suppression. I mean, when this country was started, it was only white men that owned property that could vote. Then um, I think it was around the time of the Andrew Jackson election, I believe was the first election where um, all white men could vote in the uh, Andrew too bad they, they they vote for Andrew Jackson, who I, that's a whole different case. Yeah, so anyway, no, back, back, back on target. <laughs> then, then you know, you had um, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments that you know made into slavery, 13th Amendment, 14th Amendment made um, African American citizens, mm-hmm. and 15th Amendment gave um, black men the right to vote. And for a little while, we did have some positions but a lot of them was appointed of positions too but that didn't last too long <laughs> right that didn't that didn't last too long um, women still couldn't vote mm-hmm. um but with black men even though technically we had the right to vote they came up with the um they came up with poll taxes the grandfather clause if your grandfather couldn't vote you can't vote and if you come coming out of slavery how many black people grandfathers could vote exactly. um you had liter- literacy tests exactly. and literacy test wasn't whether you could read it'd be stuff like can you recite the whole constitution right um especially in southern states um if you did vote you risked getting lynched mm-hmm. um and this was going on 50s 60s look at mega Megger Everett was assassinated for registering black people to vote. Yep. Um, so <laughs> so like this this goes on and on. And I didn't even mention like women women's suffrage where women finally got the right to vote in the in the 20th century. Right. <laughs> that was that was in the 20th century. Yep. I mean, women couldn't even own credit cards without their husband's permission, I think to what was it the mid 70s? I like think 70s? That's correct. Yeah, I think that's the correct. And, but that's that's not what voting, that's but just give you an example. Um, Lee Atwater with the Southern strategy talking about how he did, how he wanted to press certain turnout, how he didn't want um, large elections. Um, the less people vote, the better it is for them. Look up Lee Atwater. You don't know who, what I'm talking about. Um, in the early 2000s. Much better the, version of Roger Stone, of, not Roger Stone, of um, Carl Rove, like a, a way superior version of Carl Rove. <laughs> right. Way superior. <laughs> And it's funny how Republicans and conservatives don't even want to talk about this when the RNC apologized for this in the early 2000s. They admitted to doing so and apologized. Yep. yep. So yep. don't take my word for it. Take the RNC word for it. Mm-hmm. This actually happened. And then it started with, you know, the voting ID law. Um, laws mm-hmm. that it was passing, they they was pushing that like in Pennsylvania, some states, and then when you don't check it at the time, it grows out of control. Exactly. You have people trying to defend <laughs> those voting ID laws, and we knew what that was for. Yeah. Not to mention, um, we have the prison industrial complex, which a good portion of people that went to prison can't vote after they served their time. Um. So we were just talking about how bad the war on drugs was, too. So, I mean, throughout history, we have voter suppression. 
So, like, this is nothing new. And I think some of my problem with the mainstream media, they don't get in depth with the discussions. They um, nibble around the edges of mm -hmm. it. And see, I, the cat got cited with talking. All right. <laughs> the cat voted suppression. Right, right. <laughs> and they carry water for Biden like no other. They were trying to say, oh, Biden can't really do nothing. He can't stop the states. Yes, unilaterally, he can't do nothing, but he can definitely push Mansion and Cinema more than he's been doing. He can definitely, he could have been talking about the For the People Act or HR1 or John Lewis Voting Rights Act, whatever you want to call it. He could have been talk, talking about that, and he's just now starting to, mm -hmm. which, you know, you you awful late in the game. Yeah. I, don't know, I know I had to go on that little tangent, but <laughs> so. No, man, it was necessary. I think what it's funny that they're bringing this up now, but like, you know, um, last, last year during the election, um, uh, there's two things I want to bring up. So like in Atlanta, like in Georgia, for instance, especially in the Atlanta area, you know, you had lines of like 12 hours. This is, and this is during the primaries. Like you had lines of like 12 hours um, because of like, some of it because of COVID restrictions, but some of it because of what you're discussing. Like a lot of precincts lost their, like the locations, a lot of polling locations were, 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 were closed. So you had that. Um, you had like long lines during the primaries and during the general elections across the country, um, especially in Southern states like Georgia, uh, Texas, um, uh, Florida, a lot of states were, were, were having those issues. So when you like think about that, um, yeah, this, this isn't a new problem. And this, and I, and I bring up last year, but I, I recall this happened in 2016 as well. Um, and, in Southern states where there were like 12 hour lines for people to vote and people mm -hmm. would stay there to vote, but not everybody's going to do that. And you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't require that to them. The other thing too, bring them water now either. You can't bring the water now, too. Mm -hmm. The other thing you didn't uh, mention when you were going through it, another law they they these states are restricting are like the uh, the group the group pollings, which are like the social sort of polls stuff that they do for church, black churches um, in the yeah, south. Yeah, yeah. They they're they're mm -hmm. taking that as well. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think they're making that a felony in, in some instances, which is insane. They're either um, making it a felony, or in some cases, they just say you can't early vote on Sundays. Right. 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 Yep. So you have that as well. Um, and then I remember, <laughs> this is funny, but like SN, I don't know if you watch SNL Saturday Night Live, they had, a, a, they had one that like skits about, like about that very thing where they were trying to vote in like Texas and they went to like four different locations and they were told they can't vote. <laughs> they were like, they dressed up, put on their, their best outfits, they were like excited to go and they had like a little song going and they would show up and they're like, no, nah, you can't vote here, you can't vote here. And then they ended up going to like some long line for like 15 hours to try to vote and they couldn't, and they, they couldn't vote at the end because oh, they didn't yeah. the mask. Right. But, but um but like that highlights the point of what's going on. Um like you mentioned, like you like you brought out like so clearly, man, like the fight to vote in this country is 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 just it's been a battle since its inception. Um if you're not rich and white, you it's it's hard for you to vote. And um and 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 my what I'm noticing and I think you're noticing too is that they want to go back to the times of like property owners only being able to vote only right, which property owners and white property owners only be able to vote only. And if yeah. they could have it their way, it'd be white men voting only. That's what they want. Mitch McConnell put the bag out a couple, I think it was last year where he said, um, you know, voting is a privilege. I don't right. He, he mentioned that. And, and that was barely touched by anybody um, from, from what I remember, but like he, he said that, like, that's what, that's what the thinking is, is that it's a privilege, not a right. And um, you know, instead of, trying to really be a democracy and expanding, expanding voting for everybody. Like I I'm, I'm crazy. Like I think that you should have like 
prisons should have voting precincts. They should be able to vote in prison. That's that's how crazy I am. Like I I don't I don't see why they 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 why you shouldn't have candidates going down there to try to to get the votes of prisoners. Like that's just that's just that's just the way I think about stuff. Um, you can't have a full democracy if you're if you're restricting this, but that's just the story of America. America's never really been a full democracy. It's always try to it's always try to make it as hard as possible to vote. Um, and these new things that are happening, these new laws that are passing now across the states are just like a continuation of like that whole process of, yeah, we don't want you to vote <laughs> unless you're like rich and white. That's it. If you if you're not rich and white, you can't vote. Right. And just to check some of the stuff um, that people say, it was like you shouldn't have a problem getting ID. First of all, when you vote, you just don't show up just to vote. They check your signature. Mm-hmm. So they match it. Make sure your signature match. It really was for because a lot of people in urban areas, some of them didn't have driver's license ID because you take public transportation. Yep. Um, depending if you lived on a me- in a metropolitan um, that have good um, public transportation, some people didn't have that state ID. So it, it is what it is. That was like, but that was kind of like the least of the voters suppressing that was going on. And this was all predictable um, once the Supreme Court got rid of the parts of the Voting Rights Act. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, it, 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 it's just not surprising when when it comes to that. And you, know, and you, know, you know, it's a funny thing too, is um, they also, we mentioned earlier about people that are younger not being able to vote. They make it very hard for college students to vote in, in these do. areas. They make it extremely hard. Um, they do because they don't want them to vote because they know that's more of a of a. They believe it's more of a of a, um, a left leaning people. I I kind of not sure about that all the time, but the fact is they don't want people in colleges to vote either, and that's that's a sizable portion of of a, of a community. And they make it very very hard for um, uh, students that go to especially big state schools. They make it very very hard for them to vote. Um, and so when you consider all of that, man, like it's just always been a battle. It's always a war to well, try to vote. Well, that's one of the things I left off my little history breakdown. I mean, if you was if you was 18, you couldn't vote until after the Vietnam War. So you had to, Yep. So you had situations where you had 18, 19, 20 year olds getting drafted and they had no say in what direction the mm-hmm. war goes in. Mm-hmm. So that that was another breakdown um, there too. And before we get out here, I just want to leave people with this last little word. I know people is fed up with politics on a federal level, especially presidential politics. But the reason why these voter suppression laws is very important, not just the Supreme Court, not just with executive orders like the overtime rules that um, Trump overthrew for the Obama administration. It's so much stuff, by the way, it's so much stuff that Trump did that people just don't know. And even people that you would think would know better just don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, he did that. They just think that he was just a clown, but policy wise, nothing. But that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you know, but besides the federal level, this, this is very important in local and state politics, right? So if you have a DA race, which we talk about how important DAs and sheriff races are, this could literally be a life and death issue for people. Mm-hmm. If you have a DA, if you have a cop that does the wrong thing, deals excessive force, who the DA is determine whether charges going to be brought on that police officer or not. Mm-hmm. The sheriff race determines uh, what condition your char- your your county jail 
is going to be and how the county jail is going to be run. Mm-hmm. The DA um, basically control, um, okay, what, what's the bail laws going to be in that area? Um, if your state don't have something like marijuana legalized, how tough that particular county or going to be on um, if you get found with marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, so in local races, in a close race, this can make all the difference in the world. Right. Whether um, the polling place is open till 9, 10 o'clock or whether it's open till 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. That makes all the difference in the world. Um, whether somebody can walk to their polling station or because their polling station was closed, they have to go a further distance, especially depending on their age, depending on their health. I mean, people don't think about it in those terms. People don't think about it um, in terms of who your secretary of state is, who control your state elections, right. or who your state senator or your state assemblyman, or if you have state house, your state house rep, mm-hmm. um, determine it, whether they go and do something like bell reform on the state level. Mm-hmm. Or are they going to stick with tough on crime legislation? Whether, um, whether they going to try to give free up money for grants for local small businesses, or whether they going to give another tax cut? Mm-hmm. You know, so these are very important issues that um, really impact us day to day. It impacts health, whether. They going to choose to cut Medicaid on a state level where they mm-hmm. plan to expand Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Um, and healthcare, especially for poor individuals, is literally life or death. Right. So I want people to think about it in those terms as well and not just get caught up because if you watch the news, it's so much just presidential level. Mm-hmm. I mean, these um, voter suppression laws going to have a major impact in these type of races as well. Yep. Yep, it's 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 all connected, and you brought it out, man. Like you got to start thinking more critically about what's going on around, like what's going on in this ground level where you are, and and not just like looking at what's going down in sixteen hundred Pennsylvania or Capitol Hill. So, um, yep. so yeah, man. Like these these things are all like critical, and they all matter. And you know, I just hope that uh, people are um, just starting to see that, like, man, this this excuse me, they're trying to do something that um. They're really trying to bring us back to the seventeen hundred, like the seventeen seventies and eighties, or whatever the constitution was founded, like the seventeen hundreds and eighteen hundreds and stuff. With a lot of our regressive, like voting laws, and you know, as a society, we should always be trying to like do better and progress. And they're they're going backwards. Um, just just think of it like that, and think about how those these these backward steps, like how because you weren't able to get to the polling station at seven and they close at six thirty or six o'clock, how that's now gonna lead that could potentially like hem you up eventually like you get arrested and have to face charge over having like a an ounce like a, a, a half a gram of marijuana or something or or, or, or a broken up like a joint and how that's gonna now put you into like some terrible prison jail and you, you you're gonna get denied ca- uh, bill and then you're gonna have to get a public defender that's also a part of like these policy stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And end up uh uh, serving a criminal a couple of years in prison <laughs> for for having like I have a joint, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, stuff like that. This, this is this is this is all like serious serious stuff. And um, 
uh, it's not taught to us to think like that um, and to see how these things all impact. And yeah, man, like they're they're trying really hard to go back to to the times where where me, me and you couldn't vote. And I think all people are um, are, are waking up to that and realizing like, yeah, we have to like push back against that. But you know, I'm, I'm going to be positive. Let's, let's let's go for that. Let me be positive <laughs> and hope that people are waking well, up and seeing that. We'll see. I'll leave it off at a positive note. I think they might do something about the For the People Act. It probably won't end up being the For the People Act. It, it's going to be a watered-down version, but I think because it depends on the Democrat Democrat survival, because <laughs> if these laws go through, Democratic Party is basically done for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So because of self-interest, the Senate might, not guarantee they might do something on it, some some watered down version. Um, all that campaign finance stuff is going to be out though. There's nothing that's going to make it, but they maybe they maybe they'll do something. We'll see. You know, you know, help them make DC a state. <laughs> That'd be definitely like something that could help them. But hey, right? What do I know? I don't know anything. I'm just me. It, it, it should be. You have people again. Uh, a area that have more population in the state of Wyoming that's mm-hmm. not represented in Congress at all mm-hmm. besides a ceremonial vote mm-hmm. <laughs> status. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to lead the people with anything before you get out of here? No, nah, man, it's been a good episode, a good discussion. All right. And I think that um, the discussion about mental health is going to help a lot of people. Um, yep. So like we said earlier, just, uh, you know, seriously take care of yourself. Like, even if your boss is like whatever to it, take care of yourself. Cause at the end of the day, you only have you to protect. And if you're not feeling right, take care of yourself, please. Exactly. All right. Once again, subscribe, share, share, share. Mm-hmm. I mean, the pod guy, we got him in here. Peace. Peace. <laughs>